recorded live from the wayofm.org studios in the fabulous Fetter Building in Rochester, New York. Welcome to Transformation Thursday. I'm Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her as well. In this podcast, we'll take an objective look at dramatic change as two transgender women And we know a thing or two about that. And we will talk about transgender issues on this show in a way that we think will be both informative and entertaining. But we'll also be looking at the amazing number of radical changes we're experiencing in our society as well. In this week's episode, we'll be chatting with a good friend of mine, Spencer Shiley. And the reason he's here is because Spencer is a father to a child who doesn't fit into the traditional notions of gender. But on top of that, he and his family are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints also known as the Mormon Church. So Spencer will be discussing how he has navigated this experience. But for now, let's continue with the time-honored tradition of the music swell and fade out. Let's talk about change, Amy. Okay, let me see. It looks like I've got three quarters, a nickel, a Canadian loonie, and a few British tenors from when I was in London because I'm an international comedian. No, not that change. Change is in transformation. The topic of Transformation Thursday. Oh, yeah, that. Well, we're doing this podcast to highlight how much things change and how quickly they do it in society today. Everything changes, and change isn't good or bad. It just is. The more we realize that change is just the natural progression of things, the better off we'll be. Now, let's talk about change. Didn't we just do that? No, no, not the last one. The first one, the coins, money, about how people can give us some of theirs so that we can continue talking about ours. Are you just trying to get people to go to our Patreon page to support this podcast so that we can continue our exploration of what it means to live in a rapidly changing world? Because although this is a labor of love, we do have expenses and by going to TransformationThursday.com they can help ensure that we can continue to be bringing this fun and insightful commentary on the world today, plus get exclusive patrons-only content. Um, if I say yes, can we get on to our next segment? Oh, God, I hope so. Okay, then. TransformationThursday.com. Also, can you break a 20 for me? Sure, I can get that to you in euros. Okay, now you're just showing off. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. Our guest today is Spencer Shiley. And while I just met Spencer tonight, any friend of Amy's is definitely a friend of mine. In recent episodes, we have discussed transgender transformations from the perspective of the person going through the transformation. But we also want to look at how transition affects families and friends. And that's why Spencer is a perfect person to bring in. Is not only is his family dealing with this, but being members of a conservative faith, I think this family has worked very hard to get to the point where they are. Spencer and I met, I think, just about three years ago when they moved here from Boise, Idaho. The reason we met is because at the time, I was what's called an elders quorum president for the men's organization in our local congregation of the Mormon church we belonged to. And that was all, of course, prior to me coming out. Really? Yeah. And I could go on gushing over the Shiley family, but I think it's best we let Spencer tell a story. Everybody, let's give a warm Transformation Thursday welcome to my friend, Spencer Shiley. Well, welcome, Spencer. Hey, thanks for the yeah. welcome. I appreciate it. <laughs> so I said three years. So I thought you would have just moved here when we first met. So was that three years ago? Yeah, it was just over three years ago in June of 2016. And I I remember real uh, clearly that your family was excited when we first walked into the chapel. And, and uh, it was great to have such a warm welcome from just the community in general. We really just felt naturally in here. Uh, comfortable in here. And uh, we love Rochester. Yeah, I think that a lot of people don't realize that, you know, if you're Catholic or if you're some other form of Protestantism, especially around the nation, you know, you, you go to church, it's more of a Sunday thing. But I think for us here on the eastern side of the United States, being involved with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I'm going to refer, refer to it as the Mormon Church. I hope you don't mind. But um, if somebody wants to, like President Nelson wants to have an issue with that, he can come talk to me directly. Um, we'll get him on the show. Yeah, we'll, we'll make that phone call right after this episode <laughs> drops. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think people realize is how tight-knit the LDS Mormon community is, especially outside of the Western United States. 
Right. Yeah. In the Western uh, side of the United States, you see a lot of um, culture that is so deeply ingrained that it can sometimes get in the way of lots of different things. But out in the East Coast, there's so much more uh, diversity. And I think a lot of people are also further away from their families. And so because of that, they end up having to reach into the congregation deeper and form tighter ties within the congregation. So we end up being a, a lot closer knit group than I think you sometimes come across out in the Western states. Yeah. And you mentioned my family. So I remember when you did show up at church, I mean, I had at the time then my daughter would have been 14. Uh, you have a, you had a, at that time, what you thought were a couple daughters in that same age bracket, a couple kids and, you know, older son, a couple younger sons. So to see a family walk into an East Coast Mormon chapel, your size and that many kids is, is an exciting thing. And, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head is I equate it to our kids are like cousins. You know, we do the holidays, we do parties, we do things like that together. And so that I think that's where that close knitness comes in, because we do dig deeper. Yeah, I definitely see that amongst a lot of the families within the congregation. Definitely. Yeah. So, you know, so, um, so why don't you give us a little bit of background on, you know, let's give yourself some more, what's your Mormon street cred? So <laughs> your, your background there. Mormon street cred. I don't think I've heard of it phrased that way before. Um, let's see. I was, uh, what born and raised in the church is, is kind of a common term that you hear. Um, my parents, uh, were also, uh, my mom was baptized, when she was uh, younger, and and my dad was also uh, born and raised in the church, so it was my grandparents on both sides of the family that were first introduced, and um, my wife Brittany was born and raised in the church as well. So we kind of have uh, that culture, as as I kind of mentioned earlier, steeped into our family, where you know it's just kind of what you do. You know, on Sunday you you go to church, and you know you do all the other things that that you do as far as you know, we're supposed to be reading our scriptures and saying prayers. And and uh, a lot of what the LDS community really strongly believes in is a, a tight, close family. So, you know, we try and do lots of activities together as a family. And uh, sometimes it goes okay, and sometimes they end up quibbling a little bit. I mean, that's you know, six kids, and it's going to end up sometimes going a little south sometimes. But, uh, you know, we try to have fun with it either way. Um, Your family is a lot of fun. <laughs> we try to be a little bit uh, atypical as well. We try to mix things up and, and not do the norm. Um, when uh, mom and dad are both uh, band nerds growing up in high school, you know we're going to be a little bit out of the usual. There's there's nothing normal about a band kid. No, there's not. Well, and Penny's hidden talent is playing the trumpet. So, Oh, yes, I do. I, I can play... I used to be first chair, no, I used to be third chair, first trumpet all county or something like that when I was in high school. Yeah, you know, it's just one of the many things that I'm good at. Very many, many things, so. Trumpet player. Trumpet player. What are you? What were you? always have such huge egos. Oh, only, only because it's deserved. <laughs> I'm, guess, I'm, I'm guessing you're probably, a, you're probably a woodwind, aren't you? You're a woodwind guy. No, no, low brass. Low brass, oh, trombone or tuba? Both. Uh, I used to play tuba. The sousaphone, because there was, you know, I, they needed somebody who could get the ooms out of the paws and stuff like that when I was marching around. I was definitely king of the oompa. So. There you go. And so that was fun. Yeah. And then, yep, I did trombone and jazz band as well. So Nice. Cool. My experience with band is, comes from one of the movies in the late 90s, but we're not going to go there. <laughs> this one time <laughs> in band we, camp. Right. Yeah, yes. you went there, Penny. So well, I didn't go to band camp. Yeah, so... But Spencer, you know, but your family also, but not only that born and raised and doing the Mormon thing, but your dad, if this is okay, he worked for the church, didn't he, in some capacity? Yeah, he actually uh, taught for quite a number of years at BYU-Idaho, which used to be Rick's College, uh, um, a college university in eastern Idaho. And uh, so we moved there at the beginning of my high school years. And uh, and yeah, he, he taught there and, and uh, just actually retired this last spring. Now, that's part of the church education system. So how does that play into, you know, your story? Because during high school, did you have, did you have religious classes? You know, what was that experience like for you in high school? Um, as far as my dad specifically playing into it, um, not directly, other than just the, uh, the example that he was to me um, growing up 
you know, all the time of, of the way he held himself and, and the way he operated himself as a member of the church. Um, so it was, it, that was a good example to me. And, and I'll kind of refer back to that probably later in the discussion as, as we discuss other things, because he set a, a great example of, of how to just love people regardless, as, as opposed to just the idea of it. He actually put it into practice and he does. He does a great job at that. Christianity talks about this a lot, and especially in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but being that Christ-like example. So it's, and I've met your father, and I would say he is really a soft-spoken person that, in my limited experience with him, I would say is, would exemplify that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. This, um, everything that's gone on within our family over the past um, year, year and a half or so, he's taken right in stride, and he's you know, definitely reaching out every way possible. What can I do to, to, you know, love the family? What can I do to help? And he's continuing with that example that he's always had of, of trying his best to love everyone as much as he possibly can. So, yeah, so we don't want to talk a lot about, I mean, so we're talking about today. So at the time you moved here, you had two daughters that, or you thought you had two daughters, let's put it that way. At the time they would have been 13, 12 in that area. Yeah, right about there. I, th- I think so. Math escapes me sometimes. Ma- yeah. <laughs> Math is hard. Math is very hard. So let's, so you're here to talk about transformation. So, so what happened in the last year and a half? You've already alluded to it. So what, what brings you to the WAYOFM.org studios this evening? So how, how does that transpire and how does that change your life with, with your child? Well, our, uh, our second child at home uh, was actually, when we first moved here, uh, we noticed pretty quickly, actually, that they started having some mental health issues. And uh, the mental health issues deteriorated. Uh, we ended up having to uh, call the fire department and the police one night because they uh, climbed a tree and were with the intention of hurting themselves. Mm. You know, they, they really, their mental health completely bottomed out when we first moved here and they didn't really know why. And we didn't really know why Um, they had different issues that they were working through with the therapist and around their 17th birthday, um, they had a situation where they ended up being sexually assaulted, which drug them down even lower. And, and actually, uh, and I didn't find out until just recently that there was actually two instances uh, one of them actually continued for almost a full year before it was actually brought up to me that it was going on um, when they finally put the foot down and said, no, this is stopping because I'm not going to be a victim anymore. Um, so there was two different things uh, involving sexual abuse that kind of brought them down to this really low state. So after Christmas break of, of 2017 going into 2018, they just didn't want to get out of bed anymore. They didn't go to school. Um, we're trying to get them up to go to school, and they just were not moving. We realized, well, okay, we definitely need to get switched to a different mental health provider. We need to work on different things. We got them into a tutoring program to get them working back in school, and things were doing okay. They still didn't really seem to be making a whole lot of progress. They end up, in the summer of 2018, spending... Uh, a week or so in the hospital, again, because of suicidal ideation. And it wasn't until August that they finally came in to our bedroom, call us in, mom and dad, I need to talk to you. Well, you know, I've always been growing up, I've always been more of a a tomboy. I always felt more comfortable hanging out with the guys. I've never really felt comfortable hanging out with the girls. And... I don't know, but I just, I feel like I'm a guy. I I feel transgender. And I think, um, and hopefully they'll forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think it was something that they actually pieced the connections together after watching an episode of Queer Eye, which is a wonderful show that we love love watching as a family. Um, I'm going to make a note of that. Go home, binge Queer Eye. Oh, it's a great show. (laughs) It's a wonderful show. Um, And so, yeah, they they said, you know, I think... I think that's that's where I'm at. And you could tell they were terrified to talk to us about this. And 
you know, I, had, I paused and had to kind of think through it because, you know, this is, it's one of those things that you, I'll be honest, I've actually played through in my mind before that point in time. Well, what if one of my children came to me and said, I'm gay? And I, you know, I had thought through how I would react to that and how I would respond. But transgender wasn't one of the things, scenarios that I'd actually played through. And I realized it doesn't matter. It's my child. And, you know, and I wanted something to try and encourage and, and show support. And it was interesting that uh, the faith side of things was the first thing that popped up in my mind. And so, you know, along with one of the first things I said was, I love you. And I know that Heavenly Father loves you. God loves you as well. You know, and whatever this is, how, you know, however this plays out, you know, he's got a plan involved for you. We'll figure this out together because, you know, at that point in time, you could tell that they were trying to figure things out as much as possible, as much as they understood. They were not really sure of where things were headed at that point either. Um, so we had kind of discussed that and we spent the next 10, 15 minutes discussing that and, and me trying to understand what their thoughts and feelings were um, and then trying to assure them that we're going to support them. We're not going to abandon them or, or leave them because that's, it's not what you do. No. And so you, you guys have handled this so gracefully and I'm sure the outward appearance I see is a lot different from probably some of the turmoil in the house. But after that initial conversation and after they leave your bedroom, what's that conversation with, with your, with your wife? Um, I think from your perspective, because you can't, you, and I see, I see the wheels turning a little bit, <laughs> but this has to be from your perspective. So I don't, don't speak for her. I mean, but definitely from your perspective, how does that play out? Oh, that's, that's a better way to put it. Yeah. Cause I, I can't know for sure exactly what my wife was thinking. I know she was crying. Um, and, and I think from my perspective, it was, well, here's another Here's another challenge. Here's another thing that we need to go through together and, you know, we'll stick together and we'll work through this. It's, you know, it's not going to really change anything as far as how we love our children. It's just one more thing to take in stride and to figure it out. Let's go. Yeah. And so since that time, what, what's been the steps that your family's taken to like you said, there's there's some working through on this because there's not only the family side, but then also you're also in a very conservative religion. So, you know, let's talk about the family side first. So how does that play out at home and how do you, you know, from a Mormon perspective, you're the patriarchal leader of the family. And so how how does that work out in your family? And you don't seem like the typical alpha male type. I hope you don't mind me saying that. <laughs> You've never struck me as that. You've always struck me as um, somebody who works with people, understands people, takes consideration. So how do you how do you work that in with everybody to make sure that everybody gets on the same page? Well, I, I think it's, it's kind of been a process. Um, the first uh, eight months or so, it was something that they just kind of wanted to figure out where they were. And, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm kind of, I'll, I'll get back to this, but, uh, I'm using the pronouns they, them. If you know, that's, that's kind of doing it noticed. very well. So, um, I just want to say, I, I will admit this and you, that I have tremendous trouble with using they, them, and I'm sitting here listening to you and going, wow, he's nailing it every time he is flawless in this. And I, I even wrote down here, commend correct use of pronouns better than I can. So I just want to let you know, I, I recognize how difficult that can be, especially the they, them. Uh, and the fact that you are working it and doing it, I want to be where you are with this. And, and I'm not, I'm not being funny or jokey about this. That's, 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 that's good work on your part. Thank you. And it's hard work. And I want to honor that. Appreciate that. You're Thanks. welcome. Um, but yeah, so, so the first several months, uh, we're, we're trying to help Blake figure out where, they, they end up in this 
mix and where they fall through because they're spending time. I feel more like a guy. No, I don't know what I feel like. I just, I don't feel like a girl, whatever it is. Um, so we're doing different things to try and help. I go through and uh, Blake has a very petite frame, very small frame. And so I go into the younger brother's closet and find a suit because they're just having, they're struggling. I don't want to wear a dress to church. I don't want to wear a dress to church. And that's almost dress code. And that's, yeah, it's, it's kind of almost an assumed thing. You know, you're, you know, when they say that you're Sunday going to meet and close and you're, and you're all dressed up to the nines or whatever, that's kind of, that's what the uh, assumed standard is going to be is that you're going to be dressed up and they just don't want to wear a dress. They don't want to wear a dress. So I go and I find um, one of the brother's little suit coats and, and one of his white shirts and bring it. And this was like some weeknight. I don't remember when. And I try this on. Just try this on. And they put it on. And I walk them over to our bedroom in front of our full-length mirror and, and say, just here, take a look. And they cry <laughs> and cry. The most happiest tears that I've seen in their face at this point in, in well over a year and a half. Because they're seeing themselves as they're like, I've, I've always wanted to look like this. And this is what I, I like this look. You know, and uh, so we, uh, we work, we get them a binder to help with that because that's one of their biggest uh, symptoms that's really generating a lot of their gender dysphoria that they're really struggling with. And, um, and they ease kind of into this wearing, uh, you know, what would be typical male clothes uh, to church on Sundays. You know, no one really says anything and, and no one really goes, you know, does much as far as I've, as far as I noticed, as far as f feedback from other people. Um, and then further on to kind of uh, move things along here in uh, January or so, is when they actually sit down with mom and dad. And, and now you're they, talking January of this year? January of this year. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sorry to interrupt. Just want to make sure we're following timeline-wise. Right. No, that's fine. Um, so about January or so this year, they, they sit us down again and they're, you know, um, I I think it's time I I want to be called Blake. I, I That's the name that I, I want to be, I want to use. You know, and at that point in time, I was like, okay, well... Are you a they them? Are you are you a he him? Or what what pronouns you know do you want? At that point, they're like um more more he him. I'm like okay, well, you know, if we're gonna if that's what you want us to start calling you, and that's fine. Let's figure out how we're gonna work this into the family. So that way they can have a chance to you know just to help you with this and support you with this. Um, I said you know so the best thing we need to do is we need to sit down, kind of have a family meeting. And kind of discuss this all together. And um, if, if you want to say something, that'd be fine. They're like, I don't know what to say. And um, <laughs> I can just see them saying that right. too. Like, <laughs> what am I going to say? I'm like, well, I love them. I mean, they are just such a kind soul. And I, and I can just, and you know, I was in, an, I was at church a little bit during that time, so. Some of my interactions with them during that time are just some uh, some very cherished memories for me. So, yeah. I, you know, and so because we were both kind of working through some coming out at the same time at different, we we're at different processes, you know, different ages, but some similarities and overlaps. So, you know, those are some good memories for me, you know, those conversations, <coughs> excuse me, that I had with them. And so, and so, but it's so tough. And so, but so let's. Sorry to interrupt you. No, definitely, because that's uh, that. That really is is true. Is it's really tough, and they really didn't really know where they were with that, and they're trying to figure it out. And so, okay, trying to say something to my siblings, I don't know. And I'm like, well, would you like me to help type up a, a draft of like a letter that you would read to them? Yeah, would would you do that? Oh, of course, I'll do that. Type something up and. Okay, does this match your feelings correctly? Or what edits would you like me to make? What changes? This is your document. You know, what do you want it to say? And, and we made a few edits together. And then uh, we sat down as a family one night. And they read this letter that said, 
Um, you know, and, and it had to be something that would be, you know, our, our children range from at that point in time, 19 down to seven and or just eight, just barely eight. And so it's a pretty wide range of age there to work through. And we explained, you know, I've always kind of felt like a boy growing up and, and some of the examples that were tossed in there. And so, you know, if you guys could help me with this, you know, because you guys know I've been in the hospital a little bit, one of the things you guys could do is if you could help me, I'd like to go by, and, and we use the term nickname at that point, you know, we'd like to go by the nickname Blake. And, you know, if you can just kind of refer to me as a boy, you know, these this would really help me a lot. And, you know, it's not going to change how much I love you and how much I'm going to play with you guys. And, you know, it's not going to change anything, but... You know, this will help me a whole ton. And so we've got, you know, the 19-year-old crying and, and everybody's crying. The 8-year-old's crying, comes up and gives them a big hug. And and we realize, okay, as a family, we're going to gather together and we're going to do what we can to support you, Blake. Yep. And, that's, and that's what I've seen from the outside. And I'm sure there's some tougher moments on the inside, especially that year that Blake had such a tough time going to school. You know, but since then, what what has been their mental health situation? You mentioned some hospitalizations. So since that time, have you seen a change in that? A little bit. Um, I think I think they still have things they need to work out with themselves, um, especially probably regarding the sexual assaults. Um, that's a lot to carry because that's a huge, huge amount to carry, and. Um, so they actually have been uh, in the hospital again. I can't remember if that was right before or right after uh, we came out with a name change as far as within the family. Um, and there's been a few other times we've had to take them in to the emergency department to have evaluated make sure they're okay, everyone's still on the same page and we're okay. Um, so there's still lots of, of dis issues with suicidal ideation and We've worked with meds management a little bit as well. Um, but I think a lot of this extra support has helped them to feel more comfortable in their own skin. And that's really what it came down to is, is being able to feel comfortable with who they are. They still have lots of, of image issues that they're working through. But knowing that wherever they end up with, they're going to be okay. And they've They've since since January they've they've come back and they've talked to us and they're like oh we're gonna go with the they them uh, pronouns which you've noticed I've I've been using very well as Penny noted <laughs> yes thank you um, and and also they've uh, decided that they prefer to be more in the uh, the spectrum of of asexual so they or agender apologize both actually okay. um, because they just they feel. Well, you know, why do I have to be a gender? Why can't I just be a person? And that's really a lot of their frustrations because they also realize, um, and this might actually kind of go back to the, the core of the discussion as far as how it works within uh, the confines of a, of, a, of a conservative church background, um, is we've also started the, uh, the transition of having, you know, seeing if Blake would feel more comfortable going to the uh, church discussions with the young men's. So after our main congregation meeting, we break into different groups and the young women go to one room and have their lesson focusing on being sweet daughters of God and young women. And the young men go to a different room and talk about um, preparing to be a good husband and father and, and things of that. So it's, it's very, um, on some weeks, it can be very gender separative um, versus some weeks when we have Sunday school all together in groups. Um, so when they're in those those separate meetings, they've always kind of felt like, well, I don't know where I belong. And they and to this point, they're still struggling with that. I don't know where I belong because, you know, the, the young women's group is too way too feminine. The young men's group is way too much rough and tumble boys not paying attention just being 
Well, you also have boys. Immature. Yeah, but you also the the age range because it's a smaller congregation compared to out west. So you have twelve to eighteen year olds in there. So you have this wild maturation issue in there, having taught the 11 year old class a few years back I, I i know that firsthand yeah that's and so they're that's hard you know blake's what 17 now almost 18 18 in a few yeah, months so, so they're and they're mature for their age so you add you know being on the top end of the age range plus being mature and stick them in with a bunch of 12 year olds and it's no wonder that they're just feeling uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> well, and you're talking an awful lot about, about Blake and, and their issues. What are your issues with this? How is having a trans child affecting your life and your faith? It's really caused me to to stop and think through things. You know, um, I had mentioned at the beginning that I have I've grew up being a member of the church, and there was a period of four years where I, I wasn't active, and I kind of went and figured out life and and decided, no, this is something that I do want. You know, this faith is something that I do want to be an integral part of my life. And so I had to go through kind of a, a soul-searching period where I was trying to understand where I fit within that. And this has caused a, a renewed look at that as far as exactly, okay, well, what do I believe and how do I put that into action? Because there's different ways to put beliefs in, into action. Well, let me ask you straight up. What is the traditional Mormon view of transgender people? And do you still follow that belief in your own personal faith? Well, I think as far as the uh, traditional... Or what is trans- the current... <laughs> the current as a, the, what is the current view of transgender in the Mormon church? Oh. And is this something that, you, that, it, that aligns with your faith at this moment? Yeah, no, I, I I think it's it's an interesting question just to word it anyway, I think. I, 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 Amy's kind of Yeah, <laughs> that's that has been a very big issue because I in my online stuff I hang out more in the post-Mormon world and that's actually been a huge issue because not until really last October did the church actually come out with a with a verbal statement on transgender people. Traditionally, it's been ignored. And so, and then prior to that, it was always talking about same-sex attraction. They've mm-hmm. always word, avoided the word gay. Mm-hmm. And so, but I think, but let's get back to that. So, but so since October. No, you're right. It's It's been very much something where it, in the past, I think it's been more or less swept under the rug and just kind of not really looked straight on because it doesn't fit the uh, the binary definition of what we understand within our faith of of what God has planned for us. And so there is kind of this, um, I don't know if it's a grassroots type of a thing, or, or there's some conflict within the church as far as trying to figure that out and exactly where does that play in? Because we still have this very strong, uh, and they, I, me, I still have this very strong ingrained belief, you know, that Heavenly Father's place us on this earth to bring further spirits into this earth. That's part of the plan of what we're supposed to be doing, which includes a, a male and a female, the, the sperm and the egg. And, and how that transgender can play into that integral part of the plan gets really kind of gray. And so it's, it's, been a lot of different things that I've I've had to think about over the past year or so with Blake and and then with the church trying to say you know that gender is eternal and and that's part of what you might have been referring to back in October as far as well you know gender is eternal and we shouldn't be changing that and things like that um it's interesting because the way I look at it is I'm understanding there's so many different variations that gender may be eternal, but I don't know that gender is necessarily as binary as we've always thought it to be. You know, reading studies about the different mixes and chromosomes that can happen between the XY, the 
XXY or the XYY and all the different variations that can be there. And and I know there's lots of conservatives out there that say, well, you know, God doesn't make a mistake. No, he didn't. He made me perfectly transgender. And, well, and that's just it. Yeah. God doesn't make mistakes. Right. I don't think God makes mistakes because, you know, you look at, uh, you know, people that are born with any number of abilities mm-hmm. and you can't tell them that they're mistakes either. No. And so whether... And, and the way I've chosen to look at it, right, wrong, and different, is, um, at least with my situation with Blake, is either Blake, because we also believe that uh, our spirits were alive before we were physically born, that we had uh, an, an identity before we were born and we lived up with Heavenly Father. And and I choose that, okay, there's there's two possible things here that could be. Either Blake, before they received a physical body, was a male, and I just happened to drop the wrong chromosome. Drop on the him? wrong chromosome on them. Exactly. Honestly, that's the way I look at it. Is and and so, oh, you're assigned female at birth because of me. <laughs> and you know, and so, but how should Blake, you know, have to suffer the consequences from that? You know, or the other thing. Maybe Blake was female before birth, and but for some reason the brain's wiring is such that their reality is I don't feel comfortable as a female. I'm not going to say you're wrong and we should ignore it or not treat it or not get help, not support you. You know, I have a nephew that has type one diabetes. You know, that's something that you're as a child, as a small child, that you just it happens. You can't really prevent it, but you're not going to not treat it. You're not going to not help the person and say, "Well, just get over it." No, they're going to use they're going to use whatever tools they have available to help with that. And so that's the same thing with Blake. And we're talking through with Blake, and Blake's gone through. We've had discussions with Blake. Blake, do you want to legally change your name? You know. Do you want, you know, and they had mentioned at one point in time the, the interest in top surgery. They've backed off on that because, again, they're going with the, uh, the agender type of a thought right now. Um, so they don't know that they want to do anything that serious. But we're making sure that as parents, we're trying to be as supportive as possible and saying, let's look at options. We don't have to be in a hurry for anything because some of these things are permanent. But we're not going to shoot things down. Just because, well, no, we can't do that. We want to help our child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I'm hearing a loving, loving parent here more than anything else. And I, I can tell by the, the, the multi-layered uh, response to, uh, to, to, to the question that it is a really, really complex question that you're still struggling with about how to rectify this with your, or at least that's my takeaway. So you're still struggling how to rectify this with your faith. And, you know, I, I really didn't expect a, a cut and dried answer. So thanks for, <laughs> for working through that on the air with us. Yeah, no, sorry. It's, and I, I think that's one thing that I've learned is, is faith isn't a black and white thing. Lots of people want to try and think that it is. Um, and, and even, you know, people that are in leadership type positions in the church want to think that it sometimes is, is a black and white. And, no, not really. There's mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of gray. And so I think that's a lot of where, you know, love comes in and, you know, in the Christian vernacular that would be the the grace of God, you know, the the grace of Jesus Christ to to be able to fill in these gray areas because it's not black and white. It's it's definitely not. So I, I I've spoken about this. I mentioned this when we were on WXXI Connections with Evan Dawson a couple of weeks ago. So I see two things in the church as an ex-member who left, formerly left the church membership this year. I see at the local level, very loving, kind, I would say probably 95% of the people you're dealing with here locally are loving and supporting your family and Blake and being wonderful ministers to your family, correct? Yeah, I definitely, you know, our, our local, uh, 
stake president who's a head over multiple congregations in the area, very much very loving and and saying, you know, let's let's reach our arms around Blake and anyone that would be LGBTQ spectrum because that's what Christ would do. Christ loves. So, but the flip side of that, and you and I have spoken about this, so we're, we're, and this is playing into, so I'm going to read from October of 2018, a portion of what Dallin H. Oaks, who is the second in charge of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, he is sustained as a um, prophet, seer, and revelator of the church. So it's pretty, pretty heady words. So in October of last year, Dallin H. Oak said, the adversary seeks to confuse gender, to distort marriage, and to discourage childbearing. And so how, and so it's a hard thing that I had to reconcile with. When I heard that talk, I knew at that time I was, I had to leave the church and it's, I don't know how to reconcile that. So what goes on in your family to the degree you're comfortable answering this, if you are at all, but how do you reconcile what the leadership says in Salt Lake, what you experience from the local leadership and what you experience at home? How do you sort that out? Yeah, no, that is a, a tough question. Cause I, re I remember, you know, I specifically remember when, uh, when those words were said, along with the rest of the talk there. And, and that was only three, four months after Blake had first come to us. And so I was hypersensitive at that point to those types of things. And as soon as I heard that that was the direction that his words were going, I bristled up and got defensive about my child. Because I was like, well, where is this going? And, and what is your, what your, point what's your end game on this and and so it took me a long time to try and, and understand that and figure it out and what I was reminded of um, over time kind of thinking about it is that yes he's uh, a leader in the church um, but number one um, nobody's infallible um, as far as our belief goes Jesus Christ is the only person on alive that uh, has ever walked this earth that was perfect. Everyone else has made mistakes. Even if they could be in a leadership position, it's possible they could be making mistakes. Um, I, I'll be bluntly honest, I struggle with his tact often. And that's putting it, I know you're, you guys are laughing because you're like, wow, well, that's the nicest thing to say. No, but, uh, no, but, you know, last February, when that was one of the last times I went to church as a guy, you know, we talked about this talk and it was a very spirited conversation and you and I were on the side of like, whoa, but there was a good number of people in that room that were upset with us and our viewpoint. So, I mean, so, but even still, even though maybe people might be nice to you, you know, deep in their hearts is Blake confused. Yeah, I'd have to say Blake is. Um, and that's yeah. fair from what you're talking about now, Blake has had so much going on in their life and it's, it's right. Yeah. I mean, do I go to the young men's group? Do I go to the young women's group? I don't know which one I feel more comfortable with, you know, and luckily enough, again, going back to the local leaders are, are very supportive and they're like, whatever you feel most comfortable with, that's fine. To but, me that, sorry for interrupting, but to me, that sounds like a failure on an organizational level, not on a, not a failure for Blake in any way, shape or form. An organizational level where they cannot find a way to minister to somebody who is who who is in their faith. To me, you know, you don't you don't have to comment about that. But that 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 to me is what that 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 just sounds like a a, a lack of imagination on the part of the church. Yeah, no, and it's it's something that I think there's beginning to be stirrings of trying to find something better, even within the church, I think, that they're trying to figure out, okay, we need to figure out how to reach out to these people better and let them know that they're loved. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, again, Heavenly Father loves everybody. And yeah. That's about it. No, I think that's a good place to leave it for that right. portion of it. Um, 
and and I'll say that, but you know, the, the issue becomes so if you start if they start finding formally finding that way to minister to the LGBTQ members of the church, then there's from the leadership perspective, then you're giving then you're saying they exist and they have a right, and then I think they view it as a slippery slope. But at the same time, you're living this day in and day out, and you just want love for your child. Yeah, I think that could be a lot of it is is they're trying to find out where this line is, because as they're trying to lead a, a, a church that has congregations across the world and 16 plus mil, million members, and they're trying to figure out, OK, how do we address something to all 16 million of these people um, across the world, across so many different varieties of culture and background and, and diversity? Um what and I think they're starting to find out and understand that it's extremely difficult, if not impossible, to have a blanket type of a thing or a, a one size fits all because that's that's not the way it is, and that's why I have myself gone back to focusing that faith is a very individual experience, and and church can kind of put a structure around it. Faith can, you know, a, a religion as as a as a institution can put a structure around it, but ultimately it's a very, very individual thing. And I think that's where um, all the different shades of gray can end up having a home. Um, but how that works within the church, I, well, I don't know. I, I don't know either because as a, the church has the plan of salvation and you can go online and look that up. So that plan is given to you. It said, okay, here's your plan for living. You raise your kids, they grow up, and then they continue. They have, you know, and the church just goes on and on and on. But when you have somebody like myself or Blake who doesn't fit that mold, it becomes a very hard place, especially for me, it became a very hard place to be. And so it it lends itself to a lot of those mental issues. And that's why I had to step, I had to step away. And so that's another story for another time. But we're going really long here because this has been fantastic. Yeah, I would, I would, if at all possible, I would kind of like to 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 narrow the scope down a little bit more and uh, to talk a little bit more about the family dynamics. Now, if if that's okay with you, yeah. just a couple of quick questions. You at the very beginning of this said your your father loves people regardless. Um, how has he uh, is uh, is he still alive? First off, is your father? Oh still? yes. Okay. How how is he dealing with uh, with Blake? Um, quite well. They still uh, reach out, and uh, my dad is—he's trying to keep up with the younger generation. So he's he's up on on Instagram and Facebook, and and uh, he'll reach out to them on on Instagram every once in a while, and and just kind of check in on them. And um, my dad's—we've uh, actually both my dad and my mom's side of the family—we have LGBTQ people, uh, members of the family, going back, you know, to the '80s, and so this. I think that's part of it is we this isn't like shocking new to us as far as what some uh, other traditional conservative members of the church or something like that would be where it's like, oh, I haven't had much exposure to this. We've we've had a fair share of exposure. Um, and so, you know, my dad is is just taking it in stride saying, well, we love you. That's what matters. You know, um, keeping you alive is what matters. And my mom's reaction, uh, I think Amy had mentioned it at the very beginning of the podcast, that my mom's reaction initially was a little, and maybe I just read it the wrong way, but it seemed very uh, defensive. How? Um, I think the phrase she used was Satan. Oh, boy. I, something to do with Satan. Oh, and it was, boy. It was... Yeah, I very much got my papa bear real quick and was like, "Okay, I need to understand what you're meaning by this because you yeah. know, yeah, that's 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 a burner right there. Blake's not an evil person by any stretch of the imagination and and yeah, that's just you don't even go there." Right. And did she leave there and go to a place of love shortly after that? I think it took some time. 
to progress from that um, because another one of, and of course this is text messaging. So you, you always miss so much of the inflection. Very little nuance in yeah, text messaging. No nuance at all. Emojis are horrible for nuance yeah. and she doesn't use them. Um, but there was also a, some type of a reference to, um, uh, and I don't even remember exactly what it was, but something better as far as, you know, is this better to go through all of this than to even than the whole life thing. So it was mm -hmm. it was a matter of, you know, are they better off even being alive? Ooh. Which was oh. almost oh. how I read it. And and mom, you better not ever listen to this podcast. I'll be dead forever. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it yeah, I instantly just my heart broke reading yeah. that because it's like, okay, I understand this is big, heavy, huge news. But that's not the reaction to have. Yeah, that's your grandchild there. Exactly. And and I think if if I stretch my mind, I can kind of see the connection of where that thought came from. Mm -hmm. As far as maybe it not not being a complete th hateful thought, which is a big long story that I won't get into, but <laughs> It, it, we ahead. ended up having discussions afterwards, and by the time that we actually went out uh, this summer to go see the family, um, things were on much better terms. They were they were much more, you know, they, there was a lot of texting back and forth beforehand saying, well, what do we need to do with the nieces and nephews? And, and I'm like going, uh, <laughs> tell them they like to go by Blake and that they're still a, a sweet, they're still an awesome cousin. Yeah. Uh, there's not really anything to do about it it's not like yeah there's, there's they no have, <laughs> they have short hair yeah and they look a little bit different but i mean they haven't seen each other in a couple of years so they're not going to remember the difference anyway right they like to go by blake now and they're cool but the rest well, of the family the immediate family brothers and sisters how, how have they reacted has there been has there been any undue stresses on the on the, on the nuclear family as they like to call it honestly no i think it's it's been amazing um at this whole point in time um, our daughter Avery was sharing a bedroom with Blake and, and they continued to share a bedroom and it was, they were a huge, huge emotional support for each other. I don't think I've ever seen siblings, at least in my life, I have never seen siblings so close mm -hmm. to each other. And it was such a beautiful gift to be able to see them help and support each other because being a teenager is tough for anybody let alone all of having to go through, you know, all, all of this transformation of trying to figure out where we are. Um, and so when our oldest went off and moved away this summer, um, Blake's taken over and, and has their own bedroom now. Um, but everyone's still supportive it, to the point where, you know, we're over at a, at a family friend's house and, and the family, you know, the friend kept using Blake's old name. And, and referring to female and Blake's old name, my eight-year-old comes up and says, it's Blake. Their name is Blake. Mm. My eight-year-old. Nice. Ooh, I love it. Corrects them. And it's just, He's it's one of those. awesome kid. He is. It's one of those proud dad moments where I'm like yeah. going, oh my gosh, they get it. You know, mm -hmm. and part of it's the generation where they just, they're easy, they're quick to love. Um you know, and it was interesting because quickly the friend kind of, oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It would be like, no, that when we, when Blake, because Blake actually mentioned it in church one time and told the whole congregation, I prefer to go by Blake. You know, and I'm trying to figure this out. So thanks for any support you guys can give. And, you know, and a lot of people came up afterward and said, Oh, you're such a sweet lady, and all mm. of this. Her, she, and, and and Blake's just being polite and going, uh huh, okay, because Blake's not the type to correct people, mm. and and it's like you, you guys heard, but you didn't, didn't hear. understand. You yeah. didn't understand by any stretch, right. and some of that's you know the age and the the generation, but but yeah, going back to to our immediate family, having a having our children just being able to reach out and support Blake in whatever's possible 
it's just been a wonderful blessing for us. Okay. I want to ask one last question of you. And let's say you're, you're in an elevator with somebody, a, a parent, and they said, I, I heard the podcast that you did with Penny and Amy. And, you know, after you talk about the fact that Penny is so much cooler than Amy, uh, if they, you have like 30 seconds. Those are to fighting a, words. <laughs> <laughs> if you had 30 seconds to a minute to talk to somebody who is dealing with the same issues that you have having a transgender child, and you only had 30 seconds to a minute to do it, what would you want them to take away from your account? What, what could you counsel them? Go. With? 30 seconds. Wow. <laughs> Best thing you can do is love your child. Reach out, support them in any way possible. Because the last thing you want to do, last thing any parent should ever want to do, is to go to their child's funeral. And, you know, lots of people think, well, that's such a serious way to look at it. It is. It is. I've learned that people that are having transgender issues, it's, if some people say it's a choice. It's not a choice. Because I can't imagine anyone in their right mind or left mind, any mind, would choose to go through something like this. This isn't something that you choose. It literally becomes a matter of life and death. I choose to love my child. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you came here today. Amy, what do you think? Um, I think you should hang out with this guy more. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of it's very raw for me because of my proximity yet to the LDS church and Mormonism. And, you know, and I've said this before, I think, you know, when I started coming out, a lot of my choices, I think, especially regarding my femininity, were influenced by the church. And as I've gotten further away from that, that's, that's definitely changed. And so it'll be interesting. I think over time, Blake has so much more to unpack than I've ever had in, in a shorter, in 17 going on 18 years here. And, you know, my heart just, and a lot of these details I didn't know yeah. until tonight. And I'm really impressed by the, the, the patience that you're showing with Blake and the fact that you're letting them figure it out for themselves and not saying you should know this by now. That is a hard thing. And especially at that age, the, the plus on that is that they've got a long time to work it through, but the minus is they're doing it right during the teenage years, which is so hard. So Spencer Shipley, thank you so much for spending time with us today. And Spencer Shidley. So Spencer. <laughs> so, uh, Don't so, edit that out. No, darn, I'm, I'm, I'm editing that out. Spencer Shiley, thank you so much for spending time with us on, on, on Transformation Thursday. Did I get that right? Yes, he did. Oh, about time. Should we come back soon? I think we should come back very shortly. I really appreciate all your time. It's good Absolutely. to know you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for Thank you, Spencer. Say hi to Blake and the family for me, please. Hey, Blake. I love you, Brittany. Oh, I love your family, too. All right. We'll be right back with more Transformation Thursday in just after this. Today's episode is being brought to you by unsupportive and judgmental families all around the world. These families in their righteous indignation feel they suppose some moral superiority complex and or orthodox religious belief believe it's their job to rescue their loved one from being gay or transgender and that stupid little agenda we have. What comes from this mistreatment is staggering amounts of mental illness, self-harm, and high rates of suicide ideation. Now that's not what I call being a loving family member and we'll be right back with our second segment shortly welcome back to transformation thursday i'm penny sterling and my pronouns are she her and i'm amy stevens and my pronouns are she her as well hey amy in your beautiful hands you have an email from a listener oh yeah i i do have an email from a listener uh her name is danielle t um, should I read it? Oh, the floor is all yours, as is the microphone. Oh, that's so nice. Well, oh, I almost knocked over my microphone. Danielle says, hi, sweetheart. I listened to two of your podcasts the other day and sent them to my niece, who is also transgender. She's had quite a rough time with our family and her friends while transitioning to female. And I know that listening to those podcasts would help her confidence. Not many people in our family understand, nor do they care when it comes to her. I love her no matter what she chooses and will always love her. But from what I heard from you, you are very inspiring and have a great heart. 
Aww. Aww. So I hope that her listening to you will give her the courage to continue down the path she is on and she will conquer the hate that's around her to show her that there are people out there that love and support her decisions. Thank you for being you. You know what? First, I want to say to Danielle, uh, we had a nice little private, um, we're going back and forth today in Facebook Messenger for a little bit. And first, what I want to say to you, Danielle, is thank you for listening and calling me a sweetheart. I really appreciate that. But more importantly, I need to say to you, Danielle, um, what you're doing for your niece may very well save her life. Um, And this is not an overstatement or an exaggeration because studies show that one key person, that it be a family member, a friend, a teacher can quite literally save a young trans person's life. The amazing part is what you're doing takes like no effort. Um, Just you being there and your niece knowing that you love her makes all the difference in the world. It, it it really really does, and and you know we were talking about that at the end of last se- last segment that it really is life and death to have the people that you love and uh, and care for support you when you transition. Uh, it is is very very hard. I have had more than one person come up to me and ask me what can I do to be more supportive, and how what can I do to be an ally, um, and. The first thing out of my mouth, the first time that I I was asked that, I, I without thinking, I said, believe them. And that's a hard one for a lot of people is just to believe the person when they say what they are. That's that's the very that's the that's the that's the bottom. That's the baseline. After that, I usually turn it around and ask, well, what can you do? Can you get between your loved one and uh, and and hateful voices? Can you support them? Can you uh, support them in in ways that are physical? Uh, Do they need a place to stay? Would you open up your house to them if they don't live with you? There's a lot of different ways, and it's going to be on a person-by-person basis. And what they need to do is figure out what they are willing to do and what they can do. Well, and Spencer's still with us. So, Spencer, I mean, when you hear an a message like that and you know you've dealt with this firsthand you know what what's going through your head right now when blake first came out and and talked to us um yeah i had lots of questions lots of things that i didn't know and i didn't understand but for some reason i felt like the first thing i needed to do was affirm that i love them that was first and foremost and it should be with all of us and then after that then we can go into help me understand how I can support you better. And so those were some of the follow-up questions that I had. You know, I wasn't necessarily calling into doubt, you know, Blake's feelings and Blake's experience, but rather saying, help me to understand it better so that way I can, I can help you. Because sometimes maybe they don't always necessarily have all the answers themselves, but we need to allow them the opportunity to work through that rather than point them in the direction and say, no, this is the direction it needs to be and, and shut out any other opportunities for them to understand and find happiness. I think one, and I think that's it, that your child knew in that moment they were loved regardless. And that had to help, even though there's still some mental issues going on, and, but you also discovered some other issues in the background you weren't aware of for a while. But that unconditional love at home can't be understated. And so, and one of the things that I've noticed in my experience of coming on, I don't know if Penny's had a similar experience or if you've noticed this with your family, Spencer, but the people that are caught up on trying to understand the experience are the ones that seem to have the toughest time coming to terms with somebody in their life being transgender. Yeah. It's like the, it's it's like the thing about understanding, convince me. Yeah. Convince me that what you're doing is 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 not the work of the devil. Convince me that what you're doing is not sexual or mental illness. Convince me that uh, in one way or way, shape or form that I, I should believe you as opposed to just straight up believing and, and taking them for their word. That's that's the hardest time you did on Facebook uh, a couple of months ago. And we're going to do a show about this in the future. Uh, I think we're going to end up doing multiple shows. Probably like will. But I, I I like to call it I, I like to almost call it like a transgender manifesto. I, I like your Martina Luther, you know, pounding this on the 
the the the, <laughs> the the door of you know the the men's and women's only club or something like uh. that. But uh, it, there are there is no one way to just like there's no one way to be transgender. There is no one way to support trans people other than on a case by case individual level. You know, just treating them like human beings. I mean, like some of the stuff is obvious. Don't walk up to a guy and say things like, have you had the surgery yet? You know, like, is there anybody else in the world that you would walk up to and start talking about their genitals with? Um, no. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I, and so that's funny because the other day on the phone I was, you know, in the past I would say, as long as you're asking sincerely, I wouldn't care. But you know what is I've evolved and I've accepted this. You know, I had a friend the other day, just, you know, he hasn't kept, he's not on Facebook, so he hasn't kept up with me. So we're catching up and I was just giving him the, you know, nickel tour of my life, mm -hmm. which is, should cost more at this point, but oh well. Um, but you're he, a cheap floozy, let's right. admit it. <laughs> yes, I am. But so, as, so as I'm going through this with him, you know, he's like, okay, I have some questions. I'm like, I want to stop you though. The only, I'm going to, I'm not going to talk about my genitals or the surgery. And so I've actually turned around in for a while. I was like with my breasts. I'm like, I was like the woman who got the breast implants. I'm like, Hey, you want to see him? And you know, but yeah. you know, but I've stopped that. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because in our society in the way, you know, really the way I'm wired, that's private to me. Yeah. And so don't talk about our junk, but ask sincere questions. How do you feel? Right. How, what's going on in your life? Sorry about your life situation. Do those conversations. Yeah, what can I do to help you yeah. is always a good one. Yeah, and also I, I, that that about the you know your your breast, of course it's 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 all new. You know, I have a friend who talks about the pink fluffy cloud of transgender and that that first year or so when everything is new and fresh and it's yeah. like the absence of pain in and of itself is pleasurable. And sometimes we get a little crazy about these things because finally you're able to discover things about yourself that you may have known your entire life. I'm, I'm writing a show right now, and where I am in the show is talking about those first moments when I realized I had this entire different person inside myself that I was shouting over. Yeah. You know, uh, the, and everything from the way I, I looked at women to the way I dealt with sports was done to shut that woman up. And so I had to spend a lot of time consciously silencing that voice of mine so that I could actually figure out what it was that I wanted. And I realized I spent, did not spend any time in my life Figuring out what it is. What did I want? What did I like? What didn't I like? Sports, 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 sports. sports. I used to work in sports. And I, I this is this is a true story. I was I was editing uh, I was editing a football game down for a rebroadcast. And the, I was on, it was on a Sunday morning. And the somebody else that was also working on Sunday morning. I'm, I was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and, and they were a Bengals fan. And so for the first year before I came out, we would always like you know give each other a hard time because they were like rivals. And in the second year that after I came out and I was doing this about eight or nine weeks into the, into the season, we started doing this and he comes to me at this about this. And I started to re to respond. And I said, you know, I don't care. It's like, I don't really care if, you know, whether, you know, you know, Ben Roethlisberger does great. He doesn't care about me. Why should I care about him? You know, I don't really understand why I followed. It's like, it was like, what am I doing? Why do I care about this so much? Why do I live and die by what 22 people are doing in a town hundreds of miles away from me? Yeah, that's, oh my gosh. We have gone down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I will do that every I, time. I love it though, because no, the, here's my thing with sports these days. If I catch a game, especially a Vikings game, because I grew up in Minnesota, fine, great. I'm going to watch it, but I have zero impact on what those 22 people are going to do. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to spend hours each week in between Sunday and Sunday Listening to sports talk radio, doing fantasy, doing those things anymore. Bunch but of gossips. Sports guys are just a bunch of gossips. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. We've, so, got, we've, we've gone off the rails yeah, here. You want, so, want to pull it back in? I want to pull it back in and just say, you know, you talk about this a lot. And I think we're, we'll close on this point. If somebody in your life is, is coming out to you, that it be gay, trans, agender, asexual, whatever it is. One, believe us. Two, if you don't know about it, get some resources. And three, 
love us. That's, can't do more, can't, can't do worse than that.